This podcast is brought to you by Voice of Vets. Voice of Vets. Hear it. Feel it. Feel it. Feel it. Feel it. Joining us is clinical sexologist and relationship expert, Dr. Eve. Dr. Eve, thank you so much for joining us. As a starter to our conversation, when you first start dating someone new, you usually consider common interests and hobbies to figure out if you're a good match. What new level of compatibility is needed in approaching dating during COVID safely? Hello, Games. Thank you for inviting me. You know, I have a very tender spot for University of Advertisement because it's my alma mater. I did my undergraduate degree there in social work back in the day. I did an honors degree and lived in Jubilee Hall. So, yeah, I have a very soft spot for University of Advertisement. Beginning of dating, um, things changed somewhat during COVID-19 and even in a positive way. Because let's face it, when people were dating before COVID-19, it was usually through a dating app, maybe Tinder, and sometimes even through meeting face-to-face in a classroom or on campus, perhaps, or introduced by friends. And the first thing that's going to be uh, noticed would be your appearance or who you're hanging out with. And on Tinder, no different. It's going to be what you look like and how you position yourself and how you present yourself, what your profile shows of the part of you that you want to be seen. And the conversation used to be pretty superficial and pretty geared towards let's meet up as quickly as possible so we can really get a good view, physical view of each other. And if we like what we see, we're going to take it from there. And taking it from there could be we're going to agree to see each other again later or another day or never again. Or maybe we're just going to hook up and that'll be it. I mean, there's a variety of ways of which people decide to go once they actually have face-to-face meetups. And COVID changed that because there wasn't the possibility for people to meet up. There were and there always will be people who would be so-called sneaking and finding ways to meet up. But for the majority of people, we just didn't do that. The conversations were also somewhat different Because people were feeling a greater sense of anxiety, uncertainty, loneliness, it seems from the research that has come out that the conversations were more emotional and more vulnerable and more profound, spending also more time online talking to each other because there wasn't opportunity to meet. And the conversation seemed to be about, well, how are you managing? How are you feeling? about COVID-19, what are you doing? Rather than, hey, girlfriend, you know, let's kind of get it down or show me yourself. So it seemed to have become a little more emotionally connective, which is what we humans really want. So is that indicative of the permanent change of scenery for what I can only decide to term now as pandemic dating? What does pandemic dating look like in this current climate? And what precautions would one have to take during and after interactions? I'm thinking about tracking each other's risk of exposure to the virus. If, for instance, you are living with other people, how has the changing scenery impacted the way in which dating should be navigated in this day and age now? It's kind of hassle, right, to have that conversation. And because I'm older, I have lived through the AIDS epidemic and totally became aware of how challenging and difficult it is for people to this day 
to navigate and negotiate condom use. I mean, who wants to bring in that heaviness into what should be a sexy, fun time? So today, asking somebody about their COVID status can also be quite a passion killer, quite a hassle. And I'm wondering how many people really do that and say, actually, I need to know before we meet who's in your bubble, who are you interacting with, which is ridiculous because we're spending, especially nine level one, so much time outside and interacting with a huge amount of people that it's very difficult to know who's symptomatic, who's asymptomatic, who has had COVID. We just don't know. So it really requires a lot of more in-depth reflection and dependent on your own risk factors, your level of risk, how much risk are you willing to take to meet up with somebody? And so I go back actually to what I said earlier on is that people are spending more time talking and getting to know each other and feeling a little safer with each other before they decide to take that risk and meet up and actually Indeed. Now, in keeping with the theme of considering this changed landscape of dating, for those who endeavor to make those connections despite the climate, despite the circumstances, and I actually can speak from personal experience in this regard, funny story, but for those who still endeavor to make those connections, who still endeavor to be prepared to take the risk to meet with their prospective uh, romantic partners. How should, in your expert opinion, how should one transition from virtual dates to outdoor dates or indoor intimacy in a climate where even when restrictions are going to go down, you'll still have people saying that they they don't feel comfortable um, going to dates in public places like restaurants and bars and stuff like that. So how how do we navigate this period as restrictions decrease, but the climate remains the same? You know, again, I think it's such an incredible opportunity to be relooking and rethinking dating because I'm hoping that people have spent time reflecting on their lives generally and what they value. You know, earlier on you spoke about when people date they think about the things that they have in common. I think that that's less sustainable than people thinking about what they value. What is it they really value? So perhaps there has been a shift in that, in that we realize in this time of social distancing and physical distancing, that what we really value is to feel safe and secure. And I would really say that if I have a strong message to give to anybody, it's to question, do I feel safe and secure with this person? Which means, how do, you know, how do we measure safety and security in a relationship? It's, is this person reliable and predictable? And if that can be consistent, we're going to feel safe and secure to actually go and meet this person and actually be sexual with this person. So I like always to be guided by the law and by ethics. And the law says that we should still be having social distancing. And that means that when we do go out dating, because I think it's wonderful that one should be dating. I think it's wonderful that we should be having the novelty and experience of feeling alive and excited and passionate and sexual. I think it's important to be able to hold on to your own value by not desecrating or violating the law and violating your own boundaries by saying, definitely, let's go meet somewhere, but let's 
follow the protocols of what government has set down, which is that we keep social distance. So perhaps we be more in nature, we go to a park, we go to an outdoor venue, because we know that we're safer outdoors and in closed locked spaces. And there you can have a very different kind of public seductive engagement, talking, getting to know each other, having fun in a, in a way that's just more conscious of boundaries. And it's really important to me that I talk about boundaries and I'm going to ask with your permission, is that something I can move into? Now, we touched on this earlier, but the COVID pandemic has really sped everything up in terms of the move to online. We think of the various ways in which we are all doing our work online right now. And in many ways, the same can be applied to dating and relationships. Could this have created an uptick in online dating? And could this have changed the dynamics of how a relationship flourishes now? And are there possible risks and restrictions in our new reality that could make looking for love seem tougher than ever? Online dating has been around um, for many years and certainly from statistics or research that show there was a huge increase on, in online dating in people seeking to connect because, as I said, loneliness has been a huge social problem. It always was and it raised its head even more during the time of covid and because we are social creatures, we have such a huge need to connect socially. And here we have a safe space, which is online. So going online and connecting can be quite a life-saving experience. And it sounds dramatic, but it's true, a life-saving experience. So I really encourage people to go online and to chat and to connect. And I'm going to come back to what I wanted to talk about, which is boundaries. The importance of being able to know in your gut, when talking to this person doesn't feel safe, when they feel as if there's too much control, there is too much invasion, or if there's too much ghosting, you want to put a stop to it. It gives people an incredible opportunity, especially women, to be more in control of their sexuality and of their hearts as they date online. It's a much safer place there's less risk involved in terms of physical violence and sexual violence, and women can find their voices. So I really hope that, that women take the opportunity to do that. And I also hope that men take the opportunity to learn how to have different discussions with women that are not just genitally driven and not just about sexuality, but to be curious about all parts of the women or of the men that they're talking to. As a very quick segue to that because you mentioning men just now brings up a point that I myself as a man have deliberated over countless times, especially in this pandemic with gender-based violence as, as high among the list of concerns as it is in this country. And we continue to talk about the ways in which this pandemic has already shifted and changed the landscape of dating and in many ways made dating even more tricky for men to navigate. What will be important for men to remember as far as making sure they are always operating within 
the within the confines of of safety and security and uh, and and above above all else making sure that they're not violating the women that they are trying to interact with over the course of this period in with everything considered the pandemic how high gender-based violence still is as a concern in that list of concerns that i that i alluded to earlier how what how can men navigate this space as safely as possible it's a great question and i would love for men to think about this not only during covid but consistently and throughout their lifespan at every age to consider first of all their own actions their own reactions their own needs their own longings we know that violence is perpetrated by men who themselves have been sexually violated or emotionally neglected or abandoned as young children and this gives them less capacity to be able to almost make good decisions when it comes to being in relationship to increasing risky behavior to not mostly being able to control and regulate their emotions and their moods and this leads to violent impulsive acting out behavior towards women and even towards other men So there is also in addition to the trauma that many men experience there is also a a system as we know of toxic masculinity and patriarchy that's very strong in our country what i want men to do is just to notice to be aware what are the signs of toxic masculinity what is patriarchy in what way am i behaving that could fit into that label is it my tone of voice is it my posture is it my beliefs that i have around how men should be is it what i believe masculinity should be is it what i believe male sexuality should be in that i'm entitled in that i know that women would eventually surrender in that it's my job as a man to kind of push and coerce a little to get the women to agree to be sexual because women are not supposed to be sexual or show their interest in being sexual it's to really question it and it's to stand up and to stand out when their male friends behave in toxic ways towards women when you observe and you notice women being pushed around when you notice the way that your male friends talk about women you want to talk to that you want to be the person who stands out and says this is not cool this is not the way to treat a woman this isn't the way to talk about women so i really really hope that men take it on take it on as a primary role in life to learn about what consent is and to learn to listen to women when they say no indeed i would like to stick with men as the theme for my next question simply because whenever i've been asked for advice on this matter it's normally like 8 times out of 10 it has to do with the man being the perpetrator of this action now Is it hard for people to find people with whom you connect with or is it more of it being harder to maintain the connection long enough to start a relationship especially over the course of this pandemic we mentioned ghosting um earlier in our conversation and like i said just now the many times i've been approached for advice on how to deal with someone that's ghosting someone else it's usually the man ghosting the woman so can you take me through this this dichotomy we found it in is it hard for people to start relationships over this pandemic or is it hard for people to maintain the connections that they tried to form before this pandemic kicked off you know game i think that relationships are traumatic 
which is why I'm really deeply invested in my own training as a trauma practitioner, working with intimacy trauma. I think it takes a huge amount of courage to initiate a relationship, to show an interest for a man to show an interest because somehow he feels that that is his responsibility to initiate and to run the relationship, which is objectionable. Um, it's very, very difficult and challenging for somebody who doesn't feel secure, who feels vulnerable, who's afraid of commitment to actually stay in the relationship and to be present. And that comes again from childhood traumas. If you've had what we call attachment disorders, attachment difficulties as a young child, where you haven't had any kind of secure and stable attachment, it can be really hard to feel safe in a relationship, which is why people dip in and out, why people have multiple partners, why people ghost each other. It's because when it feels too good, when it feels too close, it feels too uncomfortable for many people and they just leave. And unfortunately, the dating apps and the way that dating happens makes it almost acceptable it makes it acceptable not to examine those real feelings of vulnerability and attachment difficulty and commitment difficulty because the apps encourage you to think that there's more and there's better 24-7. So you don't linger. You don't linger with the one person. You keep swiping, keep swiping. You may meet up with somebody and in a heartbeat decide this person isn't for me based just on the fact that you know there could be somebody else based on the fact that you just feel uncomfortable. Even in your joyful att attraction, you may just feel, I can't be doing this. And you move on and you move on and you cover your ass by having more than one person in your life. And obviously, it doesn't make you feel happy. I would love for men to be able to stick it out, do the work with a partner, because what we know is that what heals people the most, not only from trauma, but what heals people, what makes people feel the happiest, most productive in society is having a healthy, adult, intimate relationship. Indeed. And I firmly believe one of the hallmarks of this healthy adult relationship that you have just referred to is a clear understanding of one's love languages, which is something that I personally am very passionate about. Now, in your own experience with the couples that have approached you to gauge your um, expertise and help them navigate through their relationships, can you take me through any changes you've noticed in how couples convey what they actually feel to their partners, the ways in which com couples communicate with each other using these love languages that I've just referred to. Can you take me through any changes that you have observed? The love language is always a very nice concrete um, piece of paper or methodology, I guess, or a concept to have because it makes people feel safe that they have something that they can use to talk about their needs. And that's great. How has that changed? Well, I think that those things stay pretty static. Um, just want to say about the love languages that one can have more than one. And also they change. They're pretty flexible. So at some point in your life or with a person, you may really want acts of kindness and deeds. And another point of your relationship or your life, you may really value more physical touch and physical or sexual connection. Um, another time you may really want gifts. Uh, so it really changes all the time. It's not that we sit in concrete in one language of love. People need to talk about what they want. And that's always the most difficult thing is to find out what it is that really does make me feel the way I long to feel in this relationship. It could be 
your presence, just physical time with you, or it could be the words of love that I'm going to get from you, or because you give me gifts all the time, it makes me feel loved. It's about expressing that need, first of all, to yourself, knowing this is what I most enjoy, what makes me feel most loved, safe and secure. And then to have the language and the courage to be able to express that to a beloved and say, this is what, um, what I really enjoy, that when you do this with me, I really enjoy it, and I would enjoy it did more of that so the communication is always the most important and also the most difficult thing in any relationship very eye-opening stuff you're sharing with us here dr eve thank you again so much now when it comes to the idea of social distance dating and socially distanced dates just as a bit of uh, as a bit of a light-hearted moment do you have any tips or ideas for social distanced dates that to help those who might be listening right now who have thought many ways of how to go about finding the love that they that they are chasing even in the difficulties that this pandemic presents them can you share any um socially distanced date ideas with us at this time during lockdown i heard really i mean i can laugh now but quite a horrific story of a couple who were locked down in different places and they had just started dating before lockdown and he would go past her place where she lived and she would get into the boot of his car and go back to his place where he lived so that they could continue their courtship that's something that we really don't want people to do a lovely idea uh, is to chat with your person and know, get an idea of things that would please them. And then to surprise, we all love surprises game. I mean, that's what kind of makes romance and relationships sustainable is to have listened well to what that person says and just drop the flowers outside his or her or they gate or residence or room to be able to put together a a meal, put together some nice goodies that you know they've spoken about. They love this particular chocolate or they love this particular drink. And to just surprise them by dropping it aside. You don't even have to see each other. Those are the kinds of, you know, beautiful gestures that enhance feelings of admiration and affection towards each other. So be playful with that kind of thing. And you don't have to get into the same vehicle or transport Keep the excitement going by meeting at a place. And I repeat, people have really begun to appreciate nature more because we feel so locked down and we want to have experience of being outdoors and in nature. So instead of going just to a club or a bar, meeting up for a drink, go outside, go for a walk, go for a canoe, go for a run, go for a bicycle ride, take the animals, take the dogs for a walk. Be creative. That's very attractive. Be creative and adapt to the times. That is the theme that I am most certainly getting from your most previous answer, Dr. Eve. Now, in keeping with that theme, we've covered how dating over the course of this pandemic has its own share of risks. But 
talking about the ways in which the challenge can be risen to, the challenge can be adapted to, surely is indicative of how important and meaningful these co- these emotional connections we make with other people are, especially during this time. How can relationships and meaningful emotional connections be helpful during this time of a COVID-19 lockdown? So essential because of the loneliness epidemic that, as I said earlier, has increased and exacerbated at this time. We need to have connection. We need to be able to be talking to people, which is why it feels even worse when somebody just ghosts you or disappears or does breadcrumbs. It leaves you feeling more unsafe and more uh, um, insecure. And because we're certainly now in a much safer place, we still don't really know about the virus. It's still there. It doesn't, it doesn't understand different levels. It's there. The risks are still there. We still need to be really, really cautious and wearing masks. So it's so important that when we do take time to spend chatting with somebody online, that we are really reliable, that we really don't, don't be skanky about it because we need to have connections. It's also a great opportunity to be expanding our circle friends i've been encouraging people to reach out into their acquaintance circle so some people may feel i don't have friends think about acquaintances that you've met that perhaps you just have greeted this is a great time to reach out and say hey how are you doing and get to know them people that you normally wouldn't speak to or wouldn't meet up with at glass or um, in res Reach out to different people because the need to connect is so strong and that's what's going to make us feel um, that we can survive in this time. Indeed. And finally, from me, uh, Dr. Eve, in keeping with the idea of going outside the norm, thinking outside the box, rising to the challenge, adapting to the climate that, um, that, that has befallen all of us all across the world. Because as we've, as we've constantly covered here on the show, this pandemic is absolutely more than just a countrywide problem. It's a worldwide problem with effects on multiple levels. Now, when it comes to relationships and the pursuit of dating and meaningful connections between us as human beings, especially over this climate. And you covered this earlier, Dr. Eve, but I'm curious as to the ways in which this pandemic has perhaps encouraged other people to put the foot firmly down on the accelerator, accelerate things to a point where it goes um, out of control and it turns left very, very quickly. How can people go about embracing the slower pace of a pandemic relationship and how can people go about navigating this or navigating relationships over the course of this period in a purposeful manner that does not trigger anxieties that does not uh, trigger any sort of fear or concern but um, uh, but allows them to fully invest in whatever connection that is being forged and seeing that to the very to the very ultimate of that connection. How can people embrace the the slow down pace of a pandemic relationship without letting the fear and the doubt get to their heads? You know, game, I have so much um, empathy for people at university, people of this age, people of your age, because this is the age, I mean, goodness, you know, you long for this time. 
when you begin adulting 101, right? You long for the time when you can be moving out of being at school and you move onto campus, you become more independent and you have freedom. And part of that freedom for everybody is forming relationships. And part of forming relationships is being sexual. And now suddenly, once again, we're putting a halt into the natural development, the progressive development of every young person in the world. And we're saying to them, you've got to stop doing what naturally comes to you, what organically comes to you, which is to meet a variety of people, be able to discover different parts of yourself through diversifying your group, your social group. You're not just in your same community, your same town, your same city, your same uh, campus even. You've moved around, you know, it's all different now. And now we're putting a halt to it, to something which I repeat is a progressive adulting necessity in terms of development of young people. Of course, this is a time for experimenting sexually. Of course, this is a time for finding around feelings of love and the difference of love and lust and attraction and feeling, who do I want to be committed to? Who do I not want to be committed to? Do I want friendship with this person? It's really such an important time of self-discovery and it's been halted. So I don't want people to be doing the cheating in terms of breaking the laws and putting themselves at risk of COVID, even though there is this natural instinctive pull towards wanting to do that, towards wanting to be sexual with a variety of people, towards wanting to be engaging. Please, please, I, I really urge, and it's a message I want to leave with young people, is to be able to take care of yourself and to be able to use kindness and compassion and respect for yourself and for other people and to masturbate a lot. You know, that's what it is. Do it without guilt, without shame. If you want to be sharing it, do it consensually online, side by side with somebody, whatever. But just use kindness and compassion and respect just been joined by clinical sexologist, Dr. Eve, um, laying her relationship expertise into helping us unpack the ways in which the COVID-19 pandemic has impacted dating as we know it today. This podcast was brought to you by Voice of Vids. By Voice of Vids. To hear more of our shows, tune in to 88.1. 88.1. Or streams, streams. via www.varfm.co.za.